Mary Steen, and you are listening to Side Grace, a place and a space that was created for all things mental health, all discussions and conversations surrounded around mental health. We also approach mental health with a side of grace, aka why I called it Side Grace. I share intimate stories about the things that I'm going through in my growth journey throughout this year and years prior in hopes that it increases insight for you on your own mental health. So thank you for joining me today here in this safe space and I hope you approach everything with a side of grace. We are going to start the podcast right now. To be completely honest, I have recorded this intro 10,000 times and no matter what I say, it just doesn't seem right or fitting because it doesn't feel real that I'm saying this and saying it doesn't feel quite natural to me. So I'm going to do the best that I can and I'm going to be completely honest and completely frank with all of you. Today is January 19th, 2022. It is officially a year since my brother has passed. My best friend, my very first best friend, sometimes people confuse us for a little bit of twins. Even though we don't look like twins, the reason why people would do that is because we just understood each other. We understood each other's physical movements, emotional needs, thoughts without even saying it. I can look at him and know exactly what he was thinking and he can do vice versa. We had a relationship that I truly, truly treasured. And I don't think I would have quite made it through my childhood without him. And even though we're only, we're eight years apart, that's a really big gap for some siblings. And I think it worked because my parents, especially my mom, always reminded us that we had each other. And that was it. Like, no matter what, we have each other. And it's a little hard saying that now, a year later, because... I'm kind of alone. So that now that I kind of got through that intro, as hard as that is, because it, again, just doesn't quite feel real. The episode this week is called Today Marks One Year from Losing You. And again, I'm sorry that I'm choking up. It's just, it's interesting for me to say this. Um, But again, this episode's called Today Marks One Year Without You, But a Lifelong of Lessons Learned. And I truly, truly believe that I've learned so many lessons in the past year. So before we get kind of diving into that section, I really want to pay tribute to my brother. My brother's name is Gary Renford Dean, 30 years old. Well, 31. His birthday is February 2nd, 1990. He is amazing. Absolutely. Quite the individual. He really is. So my brother is has gone through many phases just like I, and I think we're so similar in that, but he really has his own preference and his own kind of love to do whatever he wants to do and doesn't care if he gets judged for it. And I absolutely admire that so much in him. 
my brother is kind and he his smile is the one thing that I go to bed thinking about and the thing that I wake up about is literally his smile. I can remember his fingers. I know exactly what they look like because they used to creep me out. They were just, huh. Oh my goodness gracious, they just creeped me out for some reason. But I remember his fingers. I remember every single detail about my brother. You know, I know that there is a space on the left side of his smile because he used to have retainers for a really long time. And then he stopped wearing retainers and a space developed on his left side of his smile. Very significant to me. He has one eye that is smaller than the other. And Landon actually has that trait. And I think I have it too. I'm not really quite sure. But yeah, so I I just, I think my brother is the most handsome young man that there is. His smile lights up a room and I absolutely love it. But what makes my brother even more amazing is the impact that he has on people by just acknowledging them. And I didn't realize that until his passing. And that makes me really sad because my brother's quite reserved. He's not like, again, if he knows you and you're really close with him, you know the type of comedian that he is. You know he loves to joke around and he's just really goofy. And I get some of his sense of humor from him, which is I'm really, I'm really grateful for. But he, you know, my brother, once he passed, the outpour of support from so many people blew my mind because I just didn't realize that he touched so many people. I knew that he touched our hearts and those around us and around his immediate circle, but my brother had a way of just entering a room and he'll say hi to you. He wants to know about your day. He wants to know what you're doing. And he's just so polite about it. And I like, for example, if you know him from the gym, my brother, me and him would walk in at the same exact time. I'm the type of person where I really don't like making conversation. Like I am ready to just get in there, get out. That's me, but my brother, uh, my God, he used to say hello to everyone. He acknowledged everyone. He would just make everyone feel so loved and cared for. And it's, I don't know. I didn't realize that until he passed. And that, that really warms my heart when I think about that, because I'm so glad that everyone had a little piece of love from him because he's just, he's just that special. He truly is. So what makes his passing really hard for me is how unconventional his passing was. Because I believed in my heart that he deserved the most honorable, you know, passing that there is for such an amazing guy that he is. I mean, come on, he's my brother. Of course, I'm going to think that. So obviously we know with the pandemic, it's really hard um, with COVID, obviously, and my brother had caught COVID and contracted it. And due to complications from COVID, that was reason for his passing. And it was a very long one. It was about a month and a half of struggling, right? And it breaks my heart. I rem- I know the last text message that I have from him. I know it. It's engraved in my head. It's not going anywhere. 
it's there. I can, it's deleted, but I know exactly what was said. So from that moment on, my brother had to do a lot of it on his own. And the strength that it takes to do that, I'm just so absolutely proud of him. And I'm not upset by any means. I know my brother. I know that if he did get well, it would have been a very, 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 very long road ahead for him, like a very long recovery and things wouldn't be the same. And I know my brother and I know how he thinks and I know that's not what he would want. And he loves us so much, like so, so, so much. And so it breaks my heart that, you know, we, there was no like being there with him. Like we weren't there with him. We had to do it from afar. I said, I, you know, I might cry. It's definitely a hard one. But yeah, that's something that you kind of live with. So it's definitely ate at me for a year as well. Knowing that I couldn't or none of us really could have been there for him. Like, obviously, he knew we were there and we did get to FaceTime him. I remember the last day, though, again, like I said, it was a very long month and a half. There was a lot of different things going on for him. And it was just an up like some days were good. Some days weren't good. And that takes a toll on you. And I remember just. There are some things that I'm not going to share because obviously he like that's my brother and I know that he's a very private person, so I will not share those details with anyone. I just know that the last day we spoke to him on FaceTime um, or the day that we were supposed to speak to him. He really, really looked forward to speaking to us. So it breaks every being in me because I, for the past year, I I remember what he looks like. It's in there. It's ingrained. It, I, it's not going to go away. And I've come to accept that it's not going to go anywhere. Um, but I think the last thing that really hurts is knowing that I know he was waiting for a FaceTime call and that's painful. That's really painful. So once he had passed, obviously I remember what I was doing. Um, definitely it was really bad. Uh, that was, it literally felt like your whole world just went dark. And that's, it's scary. I never experienced something like that. And it just went dark. And oh my God, it was insane. That experience, the first initial, like few days. So why his passing is still unconventional is he didn't have a viewing. Um, I mean, he did for immediate family and friends. I didn't see him. I didn't go to see him. I remember driving um, to the funeral home and I just remember seeing the tent um, and I just instantly, like my body just went into 
fight, flight, or freeze. And I was like, I have to use the bathroom now. And I had gone in the funeral home and obviously everyone was there. And he had a procession, um, which were set up by some amazing people. So he got to live out, you know, being a cop dream. And he had a sending off that was quite beautiful, but he didn't have a, he didn't have that event before, um, a burial, I guess. So I had gone in the funeral home and I just remember, like, I saw his name on a, like the thing that stands outside, like, um, like on a board and I just, I couldn't go. I couldn't go in. I just couldn't, I couldn't walk in there. I didn't want to walk in there because that's not the last thing I wanted to see. And I know I had other images of him, but I had really, really good images of my brother. And that is one I did not want to see. So I made the collective decision not to go in the room. And all my other family members did. I chose not to. I just couldn't. So I stayed back with the boys. So we did the procession. And I remember, you know, okay, we followed. I remember the whole day, but again, it was definitely a fog of an experience. But then something happened that was really strange for me. During the time that, you know, everyone was saying their last goodbyes and I read from the Bible and my dad had asked me to read from the Bible. I was really calm. And I don't know if that was shock, but I was really calm. I wasn't crying. I only cried once, right? But I didn't cry there and I felt okay. And it sounds very weird, but I felt really okay with what was what was occurring. I, I felt good in the sense that he's he's still here. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like he's not actually gone, and I felt that he wasn't gone. Um, so that was kind of how I felt during that time. And I read the Bible, I wasn't crying and I was actually comforting a lot of people during that time. So there was a lot of unconventional things that occurred during that, which makes the past year really difficult for me because it wasn't conventional, right? It wasn't, it wasn't the normal experience. I mean, it's never a normal experience losing someone, right? It's not. Let's be real. It, it stings. And we know that it, one day it happens, but it still hurts when it happens. So the after that, the year, and that's kind of where this episode's going and the lessons and everything that I've learned and everything that I can share with all of you, of what I've learned through grief. Because like I said before, in a previous episode, grief is not linear. That's the first thing. We talked about grief before a couple episodes in December. So if you do want to get a little bit more information on grief itself, please go back to that episode. But this episode, 
we talked about, and we're going to be talking about how grief is just not linear, right? We know it's not linear. You're going to go through phases and a lot of them. So moving forward, right? I obviously, like I always do, this is going to be again, an unconventional because everything about life is really just, you got to pivot with it. So it's not going to be your normal segment episode, but I think I couldn't make an episode about anything else but this, especially because it comes out every Wednesday. And this Wednesday is the anniversary of one year. So let's get into it. After my brother's passing, it's really just, you are met with a lot of symptoms when it comes with grief. And to be clear, grief can apply to more than just losing someone. Grief can be applied to losing, like a breaking up. So breakups, obviously, losing a job, you know, losing stability, financial stability, safety, um, losing a lot of, you know, security around you. You know, there's a lot of things that you can grieve in life that does not have to be specific to just grieving a loss, one from death, right? So it's really important that we remember that. So this episode can be more for everyone. Um, it's it's not just those who have lost a loved one, right? It can be more than that because grief is so expandable. It's huge. It talk it covers. It's a huge umbrella and it covers a lot of areas in life. So with that being said, the symptoms that I felt when I was grieving were out of this world honestly I I've felt a couple of those before with breakups but it felt magnet like just magnet the magnitude of it was huge it was multiplied it was just over the top it was something I've never experienced before so I kind of sat down and I thought about okay what were some of the symptoms that I had that some people might not even notice um, when they're grieving So one of the symptoms that I have that I thought was really interesting when I sat down and thought about it was the fact that I made myself work harder than I had to. I overworked myself. I piled myself with so many responsibilities. I took on helping as much as I could with my dad with the funeral, right? I answered phone calls. I called people to tell him that he passed. I got the flowers. I did the, you know, I was the one I talked to for the condolences. I I went back to school the week of. I went to school. I sat in three-hour courses for three days a week. I did schoolwork. I did two jobs. I took care of my nephews during their time at school. So while I'm doing school, they're doing school. And we're doing school at the same exact time. You know, I, I gave up my living situation in Kutztown and I stayed home to really be with my family, right? I gave up a whole semester to be with my family. No one asked me to do that, but I put that on myself. I put that responsibility on myself. The one thing I can say someone did ask me was my mom asked me to stay home that semester, not because of me, more so for her, but I did. However, again, like I said before, no one put those expectations on me, but I piled my plate up. I put so many things on my plate 
Because I thought, you know, the more busier that I am, the less that this would hurt. The less that I had to face this reality. And I was pretty good with, I wasn't accepting it, but I was pretty good understanding the finality of this situation. But I still just didn't want to, I needed something to do. So I piled my plate. I did whatever I could. I also obviously went to therapy as well. So I was really having that support. And she was helping me understand that, like, okay, Leah, you're putting on too much on yourself right now. You're doing a great job, but please understand that you are going to hit a wall. And boy, did I did. I hit a couple walls. I hit a couple points in life where I just felt like I cannot do this. I can't do, I can't, there's no way I can do this, right? I can't, I did not, like I said before in a previous episode, I did not know if I was going to make it to 2022. That is how drained I was. 2021 was a very, very long year for me. I made it very much longer by piling on more responsibilities on myself that I didn't have to. So that was a symptom that I don't think a lot of people realize, distracting yourself from what is really in front of you. Not sitting with your feelings. I did sit with my feelings a lot, but I still wanted to distract myself and occupy myself. So yes, that was one, right? The other thing that I had as a symptom was people-pleasing. So I noticed I was people-pleasing a lot. And I noticed, I guess it came to an awareness that I've really been doing it for a really long time. But I especially did this with my mom. I really was walking on eggshells and that again, because I was catering for someone else. I would say this is a symptom too, because if you, you know, again, grief is so broad of a subject. So if you lost something and you're grieving something and if it entails other people, right, we might sometimes subside our own feelings and what we need to help someone else, right? So that's what I was doing a lot for my mom. I was really people-pleasing for my mom. So that was that. Another symptom that I think I didn't do, but I know a lot of people who do and could engage in this, is destructive behaviors, making destructive decisions during grief. My therapist said something to me that was so impactful. And I think this can apply to anyone with any type of grief in any type of area in their life, is that you should not make a major decision three months prior to um, losing someone or going through a loss. I think it's three to six months. I can't remember the time limit, but you should wait a while before you make a crucial decision. So during that time, why she said that to me was because I kept saying to her, I was like, I really think I want to break up with my boyfriend. I was like, I just want to do it. Like, I, I don't want, I want to be alone. Nothing hurts more than losing my brother. Like, it really wouldn't bother me. And she had to stop me. And she's like, Aaliyah, you cannot make any decisions during this time, right? Because oftentimes during a loss, we might see people make really big decisions and big decisions in their life. So sometimes this is just a stereotypical example, but you know, when a girl goes through a breakup and you know, they do a major hair change all of a sudden, like the next day, right? 
we are so consumed in the grief and sometimes we're not really rationally thinking about the decisions that we're making during that time. So that's why it's advised not to make any destructive or rash or very big decisions during this time because you might regret it and you don't have a wise mind, quote unquote, to make that decision. So again, I had some temptations with it where I was just like, let me break up with my boyfriend now. Like, let me just do it. Why not? But I really had to catch myself a lot of that time. So that's also like a symptom, making destructive decisions, right? Just making decisions on a whim without thinking about the consequences, without thinking on it as a wise mind individual. So that is also a symptom that I can see a lot of people engaging in, and I almost engaged in myself many times before. Another symptom that I often see is what I experienced really was fog, brain fog. I never experienced something like this, maybe concussion, but it was scary. For about two months, I had a really hard time holding on to information. I would literally go out, go to work and like, I don't even know what day it is. I literally just felt like my days were like a fog and I can't hold on to information well. I wasn't really, like I, I really had to put a lot of effort to do my schoolwork, to help the boys with school and to do two jobs. And I had to put so much mental effort into just remembering the day. So brain fog is a big one, right? And so again, like I said, grief can be very expandable. It can reach a lot of different areas of our life. So if you feel like, you, you know, you're getting a little bit of that brain fog, it's it's really normal to have that experience. But I didn't know that was a thing. I literally thought I was so traumatized, which I was, which is a symptom of it. But I thought this was irreversible. I never saw myself coming back from it. I was like, I was like, this is how it is, right? Like, this is how I'm living the rest of my life. This is, this is it, right? Another symptom that I really found myself really staying in last year was guilt. I felt a lot of guilt. And there was a lot of different reasons why I felt guilt, but I felt really guilty right? Like when someone passes, you wonder, like, you feel guilty because it's just like, you know, for me, it was like, my brother has two boys, right? And he gets along with mom and obviously my mom loves him. Obviously my mom loves me too, but they have a very close relationship. And I was just like, you know, I felt guilty because I was just like, I don't understand why like why him like I felt guilty for still being here and I remember I felt guilty looking at especially Landon I felt so guilty looking at Landon every day because some days I was just like I wonder if Landon like rather his dad here than me like and I wouldn't blame him but sometimes I just felt so guilty looking at the boys because I was just like you deserve a dad like I had a dad right I I wish you I wish you know he would be here to see you like turn 16 and have to you know let you drive and 
So there's a lot of guilt that I had for a very, very, very long time. Or I felt guilty for my mom. I felt guilty because I was just like, I don't have that connection with her. I don't have that close-knit connection that Gary had with her. And now she she feels lonely because she doesn't have like someone who was like her best friend. And I feel guilty because I can't fake... I try. I try in many different ways to spend time with my mom, but I just can't really mustered up the ability to kind of fake like agree with a lot of the things that she does or says and it's very hard for me to stay in a situation that I just the energy for me like I just know I don't really thrive in this area right so that was really guilty for me so that's really hard to think about because you know I know I didn't do anything wrong but you do think about those sometimes and sometimes you get the what ifs in your head when you're going through grief. So reminding yourself that you have nothing to feel guilty about, you did nothing wrong is really important. And I had to do that so many times because again, that goes back to that people pleasing and that guilt. So a lot of times I was really people pleasing my mom. When I told my mom that I was moving back to my apartment, like there was a sense of guilt because I was like, why, like I shouldn't be leaving her right now, but I knew it was the best thing I needed to do for me to safely grieve because I wasn't really grieving the first six, the first five months, you know, it was really, again, I overloaded my plate and I really wasn't grieving in a safe place for myself because my grief was being overpowered by my mom's grief and my mom's grief still overpowers us till this day. Um, but I had to create a safe space for myself. And so I had to set that boundary, but I still felt very, 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 very guilty. Very guilty. Do I feel guilty now? No, no, I do not. (laughs) Because I really know that I'm allowed, like I've, I've gone through the process where I was, once I got my apartment, once I removed myself from that area, I grieved. I went through it. I still go through it, but I really had a place where I can do it and not feel like my grief didn't matter because it mattered and I needed a space to do that. So yeah, interesting enough with that. So again, those were some of the symptoms that I kind of felt throughout the first year, right? And so where am I today? I think I know definitely now recording this, like it's obviously very hard because I know that like it's going to be the anniversary of one year. But since the new year has started, I really have been feeling okay, right? I feel really good. That brain fog is gone. I don't feel guilty anymore. I really am setting boundaries with a lot of people. I'm feeling really confident in my ability to move forward in life, um, feeling good. And my anxiety has really decreased um, to a significant amount. Again, it all depends on the day or the weeks, you know, anxiety can come back out of nowhere. But I've, I feel good. 
I can confidently sit here and say, I do feel good. I'm really happy with the progress that I made. And I'm really happy that I went through what I went through um, last year. Like, I'm really happy that I went through all those hardships after losing my brother because I feel like there's a lot of silver linings. And I figured and I saw that there's so many silver linings when it comes to grief. So now that I said that, I slightly just moved you into the next topic of our podcast, which is basically talking about the beautiful silver linings um, that come with grief, you know, because oftentimes when we see grief, we see it as this is the worst thing in the world, which I'm not going to lie. It very much sucks. But when it's a, a strong but there, there is some beautiful silver lining moments and things and lessons that come from grief. And I'm really grateful that I've got the chance to see those things and learn those things because life is full of lessons, right? And so it's, it's interesting. And I think it's something that we should really talk about. And I know it's hard losing someone, something, a relationship, a job, um, a loved one. Like it's hard. It's not easy at all. And so that's why we're going to move into this segment because I kind of want to put a spin on grief. I want to kind of take ownership on grief and the sadness of it and turn it into something that is really cherishable and something that you can remind yourself if you're going through like a really drastic change. Because remind you, grief is a huge, huge, huge life change, right? Maybe a loved one and so on and so forth. It's huge. It's a big change or it's a change in general. And we as humans find it really hard to adapt sometimes. So there are a few things that I really think that are beautiful silver linings when it comes to grief. And so some of the things that I kind of experience with grief is the maturity, right? I really feel like I matured a lot during that time, during this past year. You know, I really learned what I wanted, what I don't want, what I want in life and what I don't want in life. Um, I learned how to communicate with people, how to effectively check in on people, I've learned about saying no. I've learned about leaving a situation if you don't, if you're not happy in it, right? If you're not happy in a situation, and I know it's really hard to muster up the strength to leave, but I'm a huge supporter of that because I remember I told my brother that 24-7, if you are not happy where you are, where you are, please leave. And that goes for jobs, relationships, anything in your life, because life is not meant to spend it unhappy and doing things that you don't want to do or being in places or situations that you don't want to be in. So there was a lot of maturity and a lot of growth in that area. Responsibility. I learned so much responsibility. Um, and I think it was really interesting transformation and well, transition into, I was already an adult. But like now I felt like expedited though. Like I felt like I learned a lesson that not a lot of people my age have learned. So it really expedited that responsibility and that maturity. But also with that, I learned like as weird as it is, how to kind of be a parent. I know I'm not a parent to my, like I'm not an actual, they're parents, right? 
my nephews. But I learned a lot of different parenting styles. Like I took a lot away and I instilled a lot of healthy spaces and like creating a healthy space for my nephews to grieve. Um, you know, really making them acknowledge their emotions and being able to communicate it to me when they need to. And also I grew a very close, 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 close connection with those boys. And every time I see them, every time I walk through the door, when I go home, I just instantly feel this gratitude. I feel so much gratitude to be their auntie because I love being their auntie. It makes me so happy that I get to like, I get to spend so much time with them. They're just, I don't know. I can go on forever and ever, but what I learned with that is valuing the time with my loved ones. So spending time with my parents, spending time with my my nephews, I love spending time with them and I love valuing every single second that we have together because it's beautiful. I love seeing them grow. I love seeing them transition. I love that quality time with them. So realizing that, you know, spend the time with loved ones, put your phone down and just appreciate that moment with them because again, you do not know what tomorrow holds. And that's another lesson I learned. You learn what's important in life also after grief. You also learn not to worry about really trivial things, which is really interesting. The gratitude as well is something that I learned um, to treasure precious memories and to ensure that I make new special memories as well. Um, Something else that I've learned this year, which was really hard, was, you know, I was really restricting myself from enjoying time with others due to the fact that, like, I... I had a thought process of like, oh, if this happened to my brother, it can happen to me. So like I need to protect myself and so on and so forth. And I grew to really miss the people that I love the most. Obviously, I love my family, but I also love my friends. Like I love my girlfriends. And so I'm learning that I want, especially in 2022, I want to see them again. I'm ready to see them. I love my girlfriends so much and they just make me so happy. So that's something that I've also learned is how much I appreciate my friends. I literally love them so much, every single one of them. And I don't know, I'm just so grateful for them. I really am. So that just makes me really happy and I'm kind of going to cry again. But also you have an, you learn an appreciation for your own life. You know, you really start realizing like, okay, it's time to take care of me. Like I need to get sleep. I need to eat well. I need to drink water. I need to take my vitamins. I need to go get those checkups done. Like you really start to appreciate life in your own life. And then you start to appreciate a, like experiencing life. So ex- the experiences that you can make in life are really beautiful and just amazing. So those are some things as well. And so you also get a clear understanding for others, which I mentioned before. And I just think there's so many different things and it's personal for each and every single one of you, but I know how dark grief can get. I know how gloomy and rock bottom it can feel when you experience such a huge change right and again this expands more than just losing someone but i get it it is so hard our brain cannot comprehend such a loss 
with time. I know I, I used to hate that saying, but time and acceptance and reminding yourself that like this person, I love them or this job, there's, I can find that silver lining and I want to find that silver lining. And so with grief, reminding yourself that when something is lost, when we lose something, it shows us that there's so many other things in life that we really need to start focusing on as well. So spending time with our remaining loved ones, right? Or maybe actually doing a career or a job that you really enjoy. Maybe it's leaving a relationship or getting into a relationship, right? Or really leaving a relationship, but leaving a relationship that you thought you once loved, but for your sake, you need to leave. So grief is messy, but it leaves behind some really beautiful lessons in life. So if you take away anything from today, Remind yourself that, yeah, it sucks. It absolutely does suck. Yes, I wish it can be different. But remember those that you loved or those the people that you lost that you loved. Um, remember that job, if it was a good job or not so good job. Remember how that job made you feel. Reflect on it. Take an opportunity to reflect on it. Find appreciation for it, gratitude, and look forward to new things. Look forward to new things that might come into your life. Because life is an experience. And I think one thing that we need to be talking about more, and I'm going to get back into losing a loved one, is change is inevitable. We're going to have change. We really should be talking about that more. And also, dying is inevitable too. And that's something that I have to say to myself all the time. We cannot control it. It's the process of life and it's a transition. I know it's scary because it's unknown. And it's scary because you don't get to see that person. Something that finds me comfort is knowing that my brother is here with me every single moment of the day. He's with all of us. For those who personally do know him. Your loved one is personally with you as well. And I find comfort in that one day I will see him again, right? But I know right now he really is my biggest cheerleader. He was my biggest cheerleader here in the living world, but I know he's even the biggest cheerleader um, not here in somewhere else, wherever he is. And I think that's really special. So find the things that really connect with you. When it comes to grief, I know it's really hard, but eventually, once you're able to get through a while of grief, remind yourself of those beautiful silver linings. Remind yourself of those beautiful little things in life, even if it's a nice cup of coffee or a beautiful day. Find gratitude in it. Feel it. Love it. Enjoy it. Because life is an experience, okay? So on that note, now that I'm all kind of I'm a little dried out from tears, but thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. It really means a lot to me. Sigrace was created due to the fact that I really 
my brother was my open space. He was my space where I went to him and I talked about everything. So I created the space not only to dedicate to him, but to dedicate to myself as well. So this episode was something that I just couldn't pass by. It wasn't something I can just make another topic about because it's so important to me. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with a friend or family member. Share it on your story, on your social media platforms as well. Leave it a review. Also subscribe and set a reminder for yourself to remind yourself that it comes out every single Wednesday. If you are new here, thank you so much for joining and I can't wait for you to continue listening to me. And if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming every single week. It really, really, really makes me happy. So... On that note, thank you all so much and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week and I can't wait for you to hear the next week's episode.